0: This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Eventide Investments. They believe that investing is more than just returns. It's an opportunity to partner with companies that align with your values and are making a positive difference in the world. Learn more at eventideinvestments.com.
1: For by wise guidance, you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 24, 6. Hi, I'm Rob West. The Bible teaches that we should seek out wise counsel for answers to questions. Today, I'll be asking some tough financial questions, and Howard Dayton will give us his answers, all based on God's Word. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, our friend Howard Dayton joins us again today. He's the author of Your Money Counts and the brand new book, Charting Your Legacy. He's also the former host of this program and one of the wisest men I know. And I mean that. Howard, welcome back.
2: Well, that's very kind of you, brother, and great to be with you, Rob.
1: (laughs) Always delighted to have you, Howard. Okay, we've got a list of questions that I know you've been asked over the years, Howard, so let's dive right in. We're going to start with taxes. What is God's perspective, according to his word, Howard, on paying taxes?
2: Well, just think of the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus, you know, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Mm. And Jesus said, show me a Roman coin whose head and inscription does it have? They responded, Caesar's. And he said to them, then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Yeah. And a lot of folks rationalize not paying taxes because the government squanders so much money. Now, I'm not condoning government waste. In fact, I believe a citizen should try to influence the government to be more efficient. However, the Bible tells us to pay the taxes we legally owe. I have a close friend who likes to say, I pay my taxes with integrity and joy. Mm. What a great combination.
1: Well, that's exactly right, because taxes are symptomatic of God's provision. All right, how about this one, Howard? How does the Bible define financial success?
2: You know, scripture tells us financial success is simply being a faithful steward. Most people measure success by how much wealth somebody piles up, yeah. but Christians should not assume that somebody is successful just by outward appearances. If we had seen Joseph or Paul in prison or Daniel in the lion's den or Job in his affliction, how many of us would have considered them successful? Hmm. According to the scripture, our responsibility is to become faithful stewards. After we have fulfilled that responsibility, it's up to God to decide whether or not to entrust us with a lot or a little.
1: Mm, I love that. Faithful, being obedient over a long period of time. All right, let's follow up on that then, Howard. Is it permissible for a Christian to be ambitious?
2: Yes, Scripture doesn't condemn ambition. Paul was ambitious. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says, We have as our ambition to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be rewarded for his deeds. But the Bible strongly condemns selfish ambition. Romans 2 says that the Lord will render to each man according to his deeds, to those who are selfishly ambitious, wrath and indignation. So our ambition shouldn't be motivated by ego. It should be to please Christ. We should have a burning desire to become increasingly faithful stewards in using the possessions and skills that he's entrusted to us, Rob.
1: Oh, that's so good, Howard. All right, time for one quick one. And this is something a lot of people wonder about. Why do the wicked prosper, Howard,
2: in your view? God's people have asked that question for centuries, Rob. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12 said, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You know, the Bible tells us that some of the wicked will prosper, but it says not to worry about it. In Psalm 37, we find... Do not fret because of evil men or the envious of those who do wrong, for like grass, they will soon wither.
1: Mm. Howard, just about 30 seconds left. Uh, Let's go back to what you said a moment ago. You talked about the importance of being faithful. What's the fruit of that in your view as as someone lives as a faithful steward?
2: Well, if a person who lives as a faithful steward is Christ-centered and they're handling their money in a way that pleases the Lord, they're handling their life in a way that pleases the Lord, Rob. And the byproduct of that is that they do draw closer to the Lord himself.
1: Mm, And that's what we all are looking for. Howard, grateful for you, my friend. Thanks for stopping by. My pleasure, Rob. Loved it. Tough questions today answered by Howard Dayton, drawing from the Council of Scripture. Howard is the author of the book, Your Money Counts, and the new Charting Your Legacy. Pick it up where you buy books. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com. You'll find more powerful wisdom, podcasts, articles, videos, and more from partners like the National Christian Foundation, Sound Mind Investing, and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Connect with the community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards and check out all of the free biblical financial advice at faithfi.com. When it comes to investing guidance, you want advice grounded in God's Word. That's the approach offered by Sound Mind Investing. SMI has helped tens of thousands of Christians acquire investing wisdom and confidence. Regardless of your investing experience or how much you have to invest, you can learn to be a wise and faithful steward in the area of investing. A short video webinar on profit and peace of mind is available now at soundmindinvesting.org. Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions, 800-525-7000. You know, as we look to God's Word, uh, the parable of the sower is fascinating. Because here's what we see in Mark 4. Uh, We see that if something is going to choke out the Word of God from bearing a 30-, 60-, 100-fold return in our lives, two out of the three reasons Jesus explains are related to money. Listen to this. Mark 4, it says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the Word, but they, listen to these three things, The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Well, the way I read this, perhaps two or two and a half out of the three reasons have to do with the things that money can buy, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things. Uh, If something's going to dethrone God from first position, it's many times going to be money and the things that money can buy. Well, how do we counteract that? How do we get past the comparison trap and falling into pursuing money as an end rather than a means to an end, a tool to accomplish God's purposes? Well, in my experience, the way to be free of the byproducts of wealth that can cause fear and confusion and anxiety is generosity. It causes the grip of money over our lives to be loosened as we hold it loosely, recognizing God's ownership and his provision. Because when we give it away, we're saying, God, I trust you for more. I trust you that you're going to continue to provide for me. And therefore, as an act of worship, I can give. There's something that happens when we give that causes that grip of money to begin to loosen away from our lives. Try it. See what God does in your life. I hope that's an encouragement to you. All right, we're going to take your calls today, 800-525-7000. We're going to begin in Fairfax, Virginia. Colleen, you'll be our first caller. Go ahead.
0: My question uh, that I wanted to ask about is that I have uh, some double E bonds that are now matured and can be cashed in, but I'm not uh interested in cashing them in right now, because I wanted to uh, see if there are some other options I can do with them, and since i don't uh, have need of the money right now, I wondered if you could suggest something else uh with yeah. them.
1: Yeah. You will want to redeem those bonds, Colleen, and I understand you want to get a plan before you do that. But when they reach their full maturity, which the double E's do after 30 years, they won't continue to build any interest after that. So there's not any benefit to you leaving that money there. Uh, you'll have to pay taxes on those earnings, and so you might as well redeem it. Uh, in terms of reinvesting it, um, give me a sense of where this money fits with perhaps whatever else you have. Uh, do you have an emergency fund that's separate from this? And do you have other investments that are earmarked for retirement?
0: Uh, yes, I am currently retired right now, but I also have, um, you know, a long-term plan and okay. I have no need of it immediately, All right. but I didn't want to just cash it and then think there may have been other options I could have done yeah. with the money. Sure. At, at the Christian, you know, I have been regularly um, giving my funding to uh, Christian organizations, including Moody. Great. And I just wanted to be wise in how I yeah. handled this.
1: Sure, that makes sense. Uh, what roughly do you have uh, in these bonds?
0: Mm. Well, there are 100 of them. I have not added up their value, but three to okay. 4,000 maybe?
1: Okay, three to four thousand dollars. Yes. Okay, very good. And is this money uh, you you don't need based on what you know today anytime soon? Correct.
0: Um, yes, as much okay. as I know, I'm in I'm in my own home. Okay. And uh, as I said, I have retired. Yeah. And my my husband and I had uh, been getting a bond every payday in the early okay. days, and then we started. Yeah. Investing it better, so my husband is gone now, and I'm I'm a, a widow. Okay, very and good. And so uh, that's about the gist of it. But you can ask yes, me any question. I'll be No, that's
1: that's respond. very helpful. I appreciate that. I'm sorry to hear about your husband's passing. Um, one option would be Colleen for you to put these into what are called I bonds. Uh, so have you heard us referring to the inflation bonds uh, on this broadcast?
0: I I I have a little bit but I'm I'm afraid I don't understand the uh Well, yes, go ahead and explain it to
1: me. Sure. Yeah, this could be a good option. Uh, Basically, the I stands for inflation. These are issued by the U.S. Treasury, and they're backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. They're intended to protect the value of your cash from inflation, which puts them at a fairly attractive interest rate right now because inflation is at a four-decade high, and so it's caused investors to be more interested in these very low-risk but higher yields yielding investments the current rate on i bonds is 6 0.89%, and that's good through April of 2023 of this year. So if you were to uh, purchase the full 3,000 or 4,000, whatever you have worth of I-bonds, and by the way, you're able to put in as an individual up to 10,000 in these bonds per year, um, you would get that for a full six months, that's 6.89%. And then it would adjust probably down uh, to the new rate that will come out. We'll know it as of May of this year, but it's pegged to CP the Consumer Price Index. And with inflation continuing to be at an elevated level, I suspect the rate that we'll get for that second six-month period will still be fairly attractive, north of 4%. The nice part is that whether it's 6.89 or somewhere between 4 and 6.89, that's a very attractive rate of return given that there's almost zero risk. I mean, this is backed by the U.S. government. Um, You are required to leave it there for at least 12 months. Uh, So you would not be able to get it back for 12 months. And then you would be able to redeem that money at that point. The interest would be credited. If you redeemed it in less than five years, these are 20-year bonds, uh, and they renew for an additional 10, so a total of 30 years, like your double E's, um, but you can pull them out anytime after a year. If you do that between one and five years, you'll pay a small penalty worth three months worth of interest. So they'll credit the total amount of interest you would have received as you held them, and then they'll just subtract the prior three months worth as a small penalty, And then that would be taxable at that point, but it's a great rate of return, much better than you would have been getting on these double E's. Um, and it's, you know, has zero risk. So that would be one option. The other option is you could pull these out. And if you're not. You don't want to take any risk with this money. You could look at, you know, banking alternatives like a high yield savings account. You could get probably about three and a half percent right now in a high yield savings account, FDIC insured, with an online bank, and have complete liquidity. If you wanted to lock it up for a year, you could probably get four and a quarter percent somewhere around there with a one year CD. Uh, which one sounds like it be the best option for you?
0: I think that the uh, inflation sounds yeah. best to me.
1: Great. So uh, the best way, are these double E's paper bonds or electronic?
0: They are paper bonds.
1: Okay, so if you go to the Treasury's website, treasurydirect.gov, you can get instructions on how you can convert these uh, to electronic bonds. And once you do, that would cause you to set up an account at Treasury Direct so that once they're redeemed, it could be deposited to your account, and then you could just purchase the I-bonds. So all of the details, including the instructions you'll need to both redeem and purchase the new bonds, will be, again, at treasurydirect.gov. If we can help you further, Colleen, along the way, don't hesitate to let us know. Thank you so much for calling today. May God bless you. Folks, we're taking your calls today on anything financial, applying the wisdom from God's word found in the Bible to your financial decisions and choices. So, what's on your mind? Give us a call, 800 525 7000. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Stay with us.
0: We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the MoneyWise program. More information is available at
1: lightpointportfolios.com. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. so glad you've joined us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, all the lines are full. Back to the phones we go to Naples, Florida. Sylvester, thank you for calling. Go ahead.
3: I got a question regarding my uh, term life insurance policy. A yeah. long time ago, I purchased it's a 20-year policy. Six months ago, I also purchased another term life policy because I'm getting 50 i I'm fifty years old, so I'm getting older, so I was thinking, oh, maybe I could get another one 10 years, and I canceled the first one. When I cancel the first policy, I pay $125 a month for it. And after 15 years, I can cancel that and get 60% of the money I invest. So I was just wondering, should I cancel that or just keep going until I reach the 20 years and get the whole thing back instead of losing some
1: money? Yes. Uh, and what is the face value, <clears throat> excuse me, the death benefit of that policy? This one is 250000 That's the
3: disability and, uh, and our the term life insurance plus disability with it.
1: Okay. And the one hundred twenty five that you referred to that you're paying each month, that's on top of the uh, death benefit premium uh, just for the return of premium option, or is that the whole premium?
3: That's the whole thing. It's $125 a month.
1: Okay. All right. Very good.
3: Uh, yeah. And how long have you had it? I have a, this I think I'm already on year seventeen right now. And like I said, six months ago I purchased like the cheaper policy which I paid thirty dollars a month and for five hundred thousand uh, dollars policy, it's only thirty dollars a month. The first one I paid one twenty five, so I was just wondering if, you know, keep going with both of yeah. them or yeah.
1: Well, I'm not generally not a big fan, Sylvester, of the return of premium life insurance just because uh, they're more expensive than conventional term policies. And I've my experience is you can get a better return by investing the difference between the conventional term policy without a return of premium rider and the higher premium amount that you'll pay for the return of premium. If you were to take that difference and put it into a good high quality mutual fund, you'll typically come out better. Now, because you're only three, years away from getting it all back, this really just becomes a math equation. So uh, you could look at what a comparable policy might be. It might even be broken out uh, in terms of what is the extra amount that you're paying toward the return of premium doesn't sound like it's it's a whole lot and probably uh the benefit of you waiting 3 more years and getting a 100% of that premium back is going to make some sense. So, I'd probably stick with it. At that point, uh I would replace it if you still need life insurance with a conventional policy. Make sure that you get that in force well ahead of that policy uh, you know, running out of its term because it'll get very expensive at that point and you you just want to make sure you have another policy in force, okay?
3: Right, right. That's what I did. That's why I got the just other one for thirty dollars a month for five hundred thousand dollars. So I guess this one I'm just going to treat it like a like a saving account. Just keep going until finish until get the money back. all right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. I think that makes some sense given how close you are to that, and then you can get all of those premiums back and turn around and invest that. Will the is the five hundred thousand that you have? Is that enough? Uh you know, I generally recommend during your working years that you have ten to twelve times your income, so you know if you're making fifty thousand a year, you know that'd be five uh to six hundred thousand if you're making eighty thousand a year, you'd need you know more like uh you know a million uh what are you are do you think you're insured properly?
3: Yeah, I'm close to eighty, so maybe actually I should do a little
1: bit upgrade. (laughs) Yeah, because the idea would be if something were to happen to you and you're married or you have dependents, you know, they would want to be able to take that and either pay off the house and, uh, you know, and then convert the rest to an income stream that at least during the rest of what would be your working years, they can replace the income that you, uh, you know, that has been lost through your death, uh, and you know, not have any kind of hardship uh, placed on them. So. So you may want to take a look at that, especially since term insurance is so inexpensive. Perhaps in at the same time that this policy lapses and you get the premium back, maybe you replace it with an additional policy on top of the uh the half a million dollars that you got recently. Hopefully that helps you Sylvester. We appreciate you checking in with us today. Very thanks very much. Uh Orlando, Florida. Eugenia, thank you for calling. Go ahead.
0: Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> My question is, I will be 66 this year, and I didn't draw my Social Security at 62, but um, <clears throat> I'm wondering, should I start drawing that and take that income and put it in an hour because I don't have that much in my 401k? Hmm. Are you
1: still and working? As
0: I get closer, yeah, yes, I'm working full-time, yes, and I was going to work uh, about another two years.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think the key here is, you know, does it make sense to go ahead and take it if you don't need it and put it in that IRA versus just letting it continue to build up? See, if you don't need it, you can let this continue to grow until age 70 and that monthly benefit check, that Social Security benefit is going to grow by 8% a year. Uh, and that's a guaranteed 8%, which the stock market return is not going to be a guaranteed increase of any amount. Um, so I think that's the benefit there. And you're in a situation where if you're you know healthy, you have the ability to continue to work, Eugenia, and you don't need this money. I like the idea that you would let it continue to grow by 8% a year. Now you're giving up the ability to collect that money month after month until you start collecting at some point in the future. And there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to, you know, wait to make up what you've given up um by not taking it earlier uh so for example somebody who waits till age 70 to start taking social security at you know a rate uh you know probably 18% higher than they would have at 67 uh, or 24% higher than they would at 67 it's going to take them about 11 years of benefits where they've made up what they didn't receive between 67 and 70 through that higher payout. But then from that point for the rest of their lives, they get that higher check. So I kind of like that option a little better for you where you'd say, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm just going to let it grow by 8% a year. And then by all means, when you retire or you need the money, that's this time to start collecting it. Does that make sense? Yes, it
0: does. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Eugenia, we appreciate your call today. God bless you. And that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. You see, God's plan isn't difficult, but it does take discipline, and I hope we can encourage you along the way as you listen to this program. Incidentally, if you've been helped by what you've heard here, would you mind helping us? This broadcast, the Faith App, and the other great resources we provide wouldn't be possible without the financial support we receive from listeners like you. We offer a lot of our resources for free and even have a free version of the Faith App, and that's only possible because of the generous gifts from listeners like you if you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be would you visit our new website faithfi.com and then click the give button to sign up we'd certainly be grateful in the meantime please send an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time i'll be here and i hope you will be too for the next edition with an all-new name of faith and finance see you then faith and finance is provided by faithfi and listeners like you